painful sex, peeing when you sneeze, heavy menstrual bleeding, hemorrhoids, these are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to crap women deal with after childbirth, surgery, or just living life as a woman. Yet no one talks about it. How can we live our best life as a woman, mom, partner, and athlete without having to settle for average sex or dirty pants? This is the question, and this podcast will dive into real answers. If you get offended easily, this is not the podcast for you. We get real, and sometimes real isn't pretty or proper. If you have young ones nearby, we suggest you put in headphones. We are Joss and Jenny, and welcome to Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs. Before we get started, if you like what you hear, follow us on Instagram, at the Vagina Doc and at Pelvic Boxer. DM us and we will personally answer your questions. For this episode and all future episodes, please keep in mind our disclaimer. The information on this podcast is intended as general information only and should not be substituted or used in lieu of medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Amanda Olson, pelvic floor physical therapist and consultant. Jenny, great to great to hear and see you again. How are you doing? And Amanda, thank you for coming on. How are you guys doing during this crazy time? Uh, hanging in there. I think this is a weird time for everybody, but, um, Amanda, we're going to jump to you here. So not only is Amanda, um, a doctor of physical therapy, um, a mother, she's also the owner of Intimate Rose and has some tools and tips and tricks for everybody out there that might be having some pelvic floor symptoms, but, um, due to COVID not able to actually get in to see a provider. So Amanda, why don't you tell us just a little bit more about yourself and then let's jump right into some of the tools that Intimate Rose has and how you recommend people use them. Sure. I am a pelvic health physical therapist. Um, I, I started doing pelvic health because I hurt myself really, really badly. I, I began my career 12 years ago as a pelvic pain patient. Um, which has just totally driven my career. I went on to have two babies and experience more pelvic floor dysfunction than is associated with vaginal childbirth. Um, and so from that, I've learned a lot of things and um, I, I've gone on to create a lot of tools that I find to be really helpful. I've, I've had to use them all on myself and um, I recommend them obviously clinically to my patients. And now we're in this really interesting time where um, a lot of people don't have access to one-on-one, you know, in-clinic treatment for, for various reasons associated with this current COVID-19 situation. So the lovely thing is, is that there's a lot of pelvic PTs providing telehealth. Um, and then also, too, uh, every one of my products comes with a really detailed manual. And then on our website, we have over 100 videos and articles that help guide people in being able to manage on their own or in conjunction with telehealth at this time. Um, and I'm always, always available for emails and customer service. I, I answer all of those questions that come our way. So um, we really try to be there for the clinicians and for people that are trying to, trying to take care of themselves in this time. And Amanda, you mentioned telehealth. Can you tell our audience what telehealth is 
And then I've had a lot of people say like, well, physical therapy is supposed to be a hands-on thing. So I don't know how telehealth can be beneficial. So um, talk to us a little bit about how physical therapy can actually be very helpful in this mode of communication. Absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of different ways. Um, I mean, if, if you are seeing a, a physical therapist in your state, that physical therapist can really direct you in a lot of um, really concise ways. Um, and as physical therapists, we tend to be creative in general. And so now we're really think of ways of, of managing people from afar to where they can do some self-examination and some self-treatment. It doesn't replace what we do with our hands and it never will, but we can provide a lot of really great advisory. The other thing is um, across state lines, we can do wellness checks. So if you're in a position where maybe you didn't have access to a pelvic PT to begin with, a lot of incredible leaders in pelvic health have now opened themselves up via telehealth and they can do wellness checks, which is a little bit different, but it creates the opportunity to ask some questions and get some answers across those state lines. So Amanda, now that we touched on telehealth, can we talk, can we dive into what products you do have through Intimate Rose and what each of those products are for? Absolutely. So in the classification of underactive pelvic floor dysfunction, which would be people that are experiencing symptoms of heaviness and pressure and urinary incontinence, um, pelvic organ prolapse, we have vaginal weights. Um, so the vaginal weights uh, come in a variety of weights and sizes, ranging from 25 grams up to 125 grams. Um, they can be helpful in strengthening the pelvic floor. So if you've had an evaluation with the pelvic PT and you've identified that there aren't other underlying issues causing the incontinence of restriction or pain or tightness, um, and it appears to be a pretty straightforward case of urinary incontinence, the weights are really incredible because you are sure 100% of the time that you're doing a Kegel right because if you bear down and push down with the Kegel weight in your vaginal canal, it will come out. <laughs> and, and this is just a very nice, easy biofeedback tool. So what it does is it tells you instantaneously, oops, you're going down. What we need to do is be pulling up and in. And you can change your body position to start training your pelvic floor in all the different locations that we find ourselves in during day-to-day um, activities, you know, so you can, you can practice doing a Kegel and keeping the weight in while you do a step up as if you were going up this up and down the stairs or bridges to strengthen the gluteals so that you can, you know, get in and out of your car easier. So there's a lot of different, really great functional ways to use the weights. And then in the pain classification, we have dilators um, and the finish on our dilators is just totally unique. One thing um, that just really became apparent to me as a as the person on the table receiving the treatment um, is that I wanted something really, really smooth that was easy to get in and easy to get out. So our dilators come in eight different sizes um, and they are used in conjunction with um, connection to the pelvic floor via breathing and um, learning uh, how to relax the pelvic floor, which is a lot more complex than just saying, relax. Um, so we, we work on training um, relaxation, dropping of the pelvic floor in order to be able to tolerate penetration. 
So um, one could gently and progressively work on the elasticity and the mobility of the tissue around the vaginal canal, which is really helpful post-birth post-surgery, cancer treatment, um, for people that have chronic clenching conditions um, where they're having difficulty having sex or having a medical exam or even using a tampon. Um, the dilators have been a real game changer for a lot of women. I've gotten some really great feedback on, on how our dilators feel and how they're pretty and fun and approachable. <laughs> and then they're made out of silicone, correct? Yes, yes, it's a smooth medical grade silicone. So what type of lubricant would somebody want to use with these? They would want to use anything except a silicone-based lubricant. The silicone-based lubricants interfere with the medical-grade silicone here. So they could use a water-based lubricant. They could use a natural coconut oil or some of those um, uh, just easier natural-based ones. Um, just really pretty much anything except for a silicone-based lubrication. We're on a podcast right now. So if, you, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see what these look like, I believe the website's just www.intimaterose.com and then you yep. forward slash products or you could click on the products link. Exactly. Yep, you can go to shop and look at all the different products. And then we have a lot of different features. You can search by... Um, find your solution where you can enter in, you know, what you're experiencing and it'll give you some articles and things to think about. Um, and again, under the um, guides, I have over a hundred different videos on all of these. It really is a good resource. And speaking from the, of a provider and someone that uses them as a patient, uh, the, the material of these dilators is so so comfortable and realistic it feels the most like a human than than some of the other plastic or non-silicone based products um okay so we talked about the dilators before we move on from those can you give any quick tips on how to select which dilator based on okay if it's postpartum and the scar they're trying to work around scar tissue versus painful penetration with a goal of getting back to penetrative intercourse. Yes, absolutely. So um, when selecting dilator size, we want to consider both where we are now and what the goal is, um, you know, in terms of how much we need to be able to accommodate inside the vaginal canal. And that is, it varies for each individual woman, because for some women, well, their main primary goal is just to be able to have a medical exam and that's it. So then they're going to get from where they're, where they're, where they are to where um, that speculum sizes, which is roughly about a size four in our lineup um, versus women that are looking for penetration, they're going to want to get to a dilator slightly larger than their partner. So in that case, I recommend that when the partner is erect, we get out a little flexible measuring tape and measure the girth and measure the length so that we know where we're going. And, you know, it's kind of one of those fun things that can help create intimacy because you're in it together. And um, the dilation process is going to require working together and being patient. Um, but when determining where you are, I, I recommend seeing what you can tolerate. So for example, if you can tolerate a pinky, that's roughly the size of our number one dilator. So if you can fit your pinky inside your vagina, you know that you're gonna start there and that is the smallest starting point. Now, the nice thing is, is if you can't yet tolerate that, there's a lot of other ways to start using the size one dilator to gently 
get that tissue ready for dilation, even if you can't get it all the way in. Moving forward, if you can fit one finger in, then you can start roughly around the, the size two dilator, two fingers for the size three, et cetera. Um, generally speaking, I like to recommend that you start with a dilator that is one size smaller than what you can tolerate so that you can start to move it a little bit and to be able to tolerate movement inside that vagina before you move on to the next one. Um, but that's just a rough estimate of like determining where you are. But it's generally a good idea to be buying them uh, a few at a time so that you have, if you're having a bad day, if things are really stressful, say given the times that we're living in, then you can use the dilator that's smaller so that you can get some dilation done on that day. And then the next day, try again with the one that you're currently using. Do you have any recommendations on positions or time frames? Does a person start with just letting it sit there or adding movement? Can you, what do you typically have people start with? Yeah, my protocol, I typically have people start with um, gently moving the dilator within the vaginal canal for the first minute or two. So moving the dilator, if the vagina is a clock, we're gonna gently compress at the six o'clock position and move uh, to the seven o'clock, move to the eight o'clock, all the way around for about a minute or two, just to get that tissue kind of warmed up, get some blood flow, um, which is going to help with pliability of that tissue. And then I do recommend that they let it sit and work on some breathing for about 10 to 15 minutes, 20 if you can. I know that that's a generous amount of time, especially given, you know, how, how we're all parenting and running businesses and doing all the things from our homes now. Um, but 20 minutes if you can, um, because what we're looking for is a low load, long duration hold on the tissue, which means that we are gently stretching that tissue for a long period of time that we get changed each day. Um, Position-wise, I recommend um, that someone finds their favorite one out of an arsenal that I like to provide. Um, that includes laying on your back with your knees bent, um, laying on your back with your knees bent and feet up on a wall, or trying on hands and knees, so you're in kind of that all fours position and trying to dilate um, using one hand there. It's, it, it requires a little bit more dexterity, but that position just tends to kind of open up and gravity kind of helps the, the pelvic floor a little bit. Um, and then the other position is a deep squat, which again requires a little bit of balance and dexterity. You can lean against a wall, go into a deep squat, so it helps with the balance, and then you're gently dilating there. A little bit hard to hold that one for 20 minutes, so <laughs> depending on how strong your legs are. I really like how you mentioned changing positions as well. We think about, you know, if we're training to run a marathon, you don't have people practice swimming. You need to practice for the task that you're trying to train for. So if you're, for example, um, plan on having intercourse in a hands and knees position, then practicing with the vaginal dilators, which are sometimes called trainers as well, um, dilators, um, kind of suggest that we are trying to make something bigger, which I know for some people is a little scary. But in fact, just like you said, Amanda, we're just trying to gently stretch the tissues. We're trying to um, kind of desensitize the nervous system and decrease that threat response. So we're just giving a different input to the nervous system so that it will give us a different, hopefully more friendly output to allow us to enjoy the activities that require vaginal insertion. So thank you for making that point.
Absolutely. And thank you for making the point about changing it to a non-threatening stimuli because we, we do kind of want to rewrite what the body experiences in that moment. I will say you mentioned if you can't get a pinky finger into the vagina or the vaginal canal that there's other ways you can use the, the first size trainer. And one way that I like to do that is even just using the trainer and just placing it maybe on the, the labia majora or the outer lips of the vagina. And that still is threatening and it's causing symptoms, moving it to the thigh and resting it there, moving it up to the abdomen, finding a location where you can tolerate the gentle or maybe um, slightly heavy pressure of the vaginal trainer without that alarm system freaking out and giving you symptoms of pain, burning, discomfort. So they really are versatile for so many different things. It really is such a great product. Um, one of the pushbacks that sometimes people give for the sets is the cost. Mm -hmm. um, it, I wouldn't say that they're horribly expensive, but you know they're not $10 for a set of eight, but it really is about what you're getting. You get what you pay for. This is a top of the line quality product. So that's what you're paying for. And then these are something that you're going to have forever. Is there anything else, either Jocelyn or Amanda, that you um, tell patients about this that are reluctant to buy the whole set? Or I know, Amanda, you have the, the smaller sets as well. Mm -hmm. I do um, share my experience with other types. As I share it from a personal standpoint that I opted for the cheaper set and I didn't like them, so I didn't use them, so I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So once I got my hands on these, then, I mean, now I'm compliant, and I'm like, I do this all the time, just buy the good product first, so I'm not spending money on the cheaper and the more expensive in the long run. People generally are very receptive, and there are options, at least like, I don't have people buy the full set if, they only need two of them. Exactly. So they wouldn't get the, the, the smaller dilators. They would maybe get the four of the bigger ones, or maybe they just need the last two. How about you, Amanda? Yep, it's the exact same thing. I always make sure that I'm only recommending what they need. Um, you know, there's no need to be going all the way to dilator number eight if that is not uh, the goal, the, the endpoint goal. So. Great. Well, let's move on to the wand and the vibrating wand. Yes. Um, I know you can't see them. I have them right here. Um, I designed these um, specifically because for me, um, I had deep trigger points deep in the pelvic floor and in puberectalis, and I needed something that could come in and hook it. Um, so I designed the wand to be able to reach um, those, those places that are right under the pubic bone that are really hard to hook um, with your own hand uh, or with um, other devices. And then the obturator internus, which is a muscle on the outside wall of the pelvic floor towards the hip. So really, really far over. Um, those were common areas that I was having trouble with and common areas that I would do manual therapy on, on patients. Um, and then they were, I, I really wanted to empower them to be able to manage it on their own and they just could not reach it. So um, the wand is a, a curvy device covered in medical grade silicone that's really, really smooth um, that enables people to be able to perform very, very gentle myofascial release and trigger point release on themselves. One thing that I tell 
people is regardless of what you're using, whether it's a finger or a dilator or a wand or a, whatever device you are, are placing on your body or inside your body, is that you're never going to push any harder than you would to check a tomato for ripeness. Um, so in this way, we ensure that we're being safe with, with all the tissues, the tendons, ligaments, muscles, and fascia. So just as you would check a tomato for ripeness in the grocery store, um, you would come in gently and you wouldn't squish the tomato and come in really hard and grind on it. <laughs> and that's how we want to treat our body. <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> tomato touch. <laughs> and then the vibration feature, I know it's a different product. It looks exactly the same except a different color. But this is one of my new favorite tools. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to add the vibration and what the benefits of vibration are. Absolutely. Um, we had, I had as a clinician seen some really great results in my patients that were purchasing vibrators. Now the caveat to that is they have to be able to tolerate the, the width and the girth of having a vibrator inside them. Um, but I was finding that, um, you know, the, the research suggests that we get increased blood flow to the muscles and increased relaxation and that it feels good. So people are just kind of relaxing into that um, with vibration in general. So um, I thought, why not put that into my pre-existing wand um, so that we have something that's slender and easy to get in and that could maybe make that um, trigger point, tender point, myofascial release experience more comfortable for people. Um, because also considering that the wand is designed on either end to go either rectally or vaginally. Um, and when we have tailbone pain or um, after certain types of cancer treatments and things, um, having anything inside the rectum can be really, really uncomfortable as it is. Um, so having that vibration component is really nice. Um, it sends a different signal to the brain, which um, in some cases can help with that relaxation process. Um, but this has actually, we've gotten really wonderful feedback on from people that it's, it's been like the only thing that has worked. That's awesome. And how do you utilize, so you, Amanda, you have created a course for runners. Yes. How do you utilize the, any of your, these trainers for women who are newly postpartum that want to get back to running or yeah, let's start there. Sure. Um, so running postpartum is, um, has become a hot topic lately because we finally have some coherent thought processes behind when someone should start running again. I think before that, you know, as clinicians, we had a good idea of, okay, tissue healing takes eight to 12 weeks. Um, tissue is damaged during childbirth, so we should be recommending that, but a lot of our runners are just out there in the world, not under the advisory of a pelvic CT, um, and, you know, they have that six-week follow-up from the doctor, and they get the green light that they can go and have sex and run and lift and do whatever they want, um, but we're, we're no, we know now that that is not necessarily the case and that there is a lot of healing that happens still after that six-week mark, so First and foremost, I always recommend, um, you know, return to run is a really um, 
pragmatic stepwise um, training process after birth because your whole body is different, not just your pelvic floor, but your abdominals and your feet and your hips and your knees and your back. All of those things have changed with the pregnancy and delivery process. So um, seeing a pelvic physical therapist is ideal at that six-week mark and then taking those stepwise progressions to be ready. So depending on what happened during that birth process, you may need some or all or some sort of mixture of the products that I've created. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of front of mind to think with birth, with pregnancy, we have pelvic floor weakness, um, which is a lot of times the case, but sometimes we have a case where the pelvic floor muscles are weak, but there's scar tissue, um, there's muscle imbalances, right versus left because of how baby was delivered and all those kinds of things. So it's generally not just straightforward, weak, put the vaginal length, then you're gonna be fine. So for those reasons, I always recommend a nice thorough uh, examination. Um, most of the time we do have some scar tissue somewhere or at least some, some areas of restriction. And, you know, the, that first time that you do go to attempting a course, it's usually the, the blaring thing that um, we, we notice is that there is pain. So we want to address the pain because if there's pain, then the pelvic floor muscles don't want to contract or they don't really remember how. So we want to address that first. Um, and that can be done with the dilators, that can be done with the wand, and then we can go about restoring um, the pelvic floor strength as well. So that's a really roundabout way of saying, please go see a pelvic physical therapist. <laughs> and then we can use nice, easy tools to help restore that running form. If someone had, was only going to purchase one thing, yeah, what would you say for them to purchase? The weights? The wand or a dilator? If you were on a desert island and you yes. could only have one thing, I would say the wand because you can do a Kegel around the wand and get that biofeedback. You can use it to stimulate different aspects of the pelvic floor if you have the vibration component. And then also you can be using it to obviously do myofascial release and tender point release on tender um, muscles, but you could also be compressing it to get sort of that dilator effect. So I think of any, if of anything, the wand is like the Swiss army knife of pelvic floor. <laughs> Perfect. There you have it. You guys hear it. So if you're prioritizing your products, go with the vibrating wand. Yeah. <laughs> How do people, are there any, do you have any current promotions going on for your products? We do. We have some bundling available um, with the dilators and the wands. Um, and you can see those different packages on our website. It depends on what dilators you're purchasing as to what the package looks like. But we have that. We do have a dilator handle now available for people to get an extra reach, extra extension on the dilators. Um, and then we also offer $5 off purchases, um, often in conjunction with clinicians, but also just available on the website as well. So we want to help people out and make sure everyone gets what they need. Would you recommend them finding them on the website or? Right now, yeah, absolutely the website. And we are doing fast and safe shipping out of our warehouse. We have a great system in place to protect our shipping warehouse staff and our customers. So um, shipping from our website, purchasing off our website is a great thing to do and we'll get it out to you in two to three days. Awesome. 
what else do you have available? And this might be separate from Intimate Rose so that our listeners can find you and find your resources because you have such great stuff out there for, for people to access. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Um, yeah, so on our website, um, I did work in conjunction with physicians and pharmacists to create some nutritional supplements, probiotic, prenatal supplements, and those kinds of things. Um, so we are really proud of those. Um, and we, we worked closely with some really sharp pharmacists to be able to get the results that we were wanting. So those are available too. And then um, I'm available for consult if anyone has questions. And then we have a couple of different types types of Facebook groups. We have a private group for um, people who just have questions and want support with whatever pelvic floor issues they're going through. And that's the Intimate Rose private group. And then for clinicians, we have our pelvic health network where um, you, you can apply on the website and I'll send you samples so that you have the tools that you need to help educate your patients. Um, and then we have that private group on Facebook as well that allows just kicking around clinical ideas, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other, supporting each other. Um, and then we also have Instagram where I'm constantly trying to post, um, good content to help people understand their bodies better, both on the clinic side and on the patient side. What is the Instagram name? Is it just at Intimate Rose? At Intimate Rose. Yep. And then I would like to plug your course as well for all the clinicians out there. Um, Amanda has developed, uh, a, a new running course and, because of COVID, I would say this is a big pro, not a con. It's being offered as a webinar um, to once at the end of this month and then once in May. I know I'm signed up for the May course. I'm very excited about that. So please go to the Academy of Pelvic Health. Um, you can get there through the American Physical Therapy Association page as well. So if you're interested in learning more from Amanda about runners, please sign up for her class. Well, yeah. Amanda... Thank you so much for coming on and spending some of your time with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And thank you for all that you do for our community and for our women. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to both of you as well. I love the work that both of you do as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the dot vagina doc and at pelvic boxer. If there's a particular topic you want to hear about, send us a message and we'll make it happen. See you next time on Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs.